Hello again, everyone. This is Dan Dufa. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D-Hotel. The whole gang is back together for a post-trade deadline discussion. Vegas adding forward Nick Cousins and goalie Robin Leonard on deadline day. Not to mention defenseman Alec Martinez five days before the deadline. We size up the new players, how they fit in, and what the moves mean to the team overall. We also comb through the night's seven-game winning streak, what's been improving under new head coach Pete DeBoer, and what still needs work. We look at the Pacific Division race and the Western Conference playoff picture and upcoming opponents with 17 games to play, but just seven at home. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D-Hotel. And now... Here's Dave! All right, Dan. Well, good job as always here. The Andiamo Restaurant, table for four, corner table, the Great D. Las Vegas, the downtown hotel, the official downtown hotel of your Vegas Golden Knights. I am some guy named Dave alongside Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, as the Golden Knights riding their best stretch of the season. Winners of seven in a row and 11-3-2 and two since Pete DeBoer took over. Pretty active at the trade deadline, to say the least, guys. And, um, you know, for this Golden Knights team, Kelly McCrimmon has mentioned this, it's rare to add a player at each of the three positions, right? A goalie, a D, and a forward. They were able to do exactly that over about a, a week or so with Alec Martinez, Nick Cousins, and Robin Leonard. And I guess the question I would ask you, Shane, off the bat is, where does this put them as you look at some of the power teams in the West? Where are they among that group now? Well, they're the hottest team in the NHL. I think this puts them right up there. The ability, and we can go back to our earlier podcasts uh, back, uh, well, I guess last year, 2019, saying what would all of our needs be? And I think the first thing we all talked about was getting a top 4D. Well, they were able to address that. They got Alec Martinez, who's come in, and... I, I, he looks rejuvenated. There's excitement. There, you know, there's a change when you come from a team. It's tough. You know, he, he's loyal to Kings. The only organization he's been with, he's won two Stanley Cups, scored the Stanley Cup winning goal there in 2014, but it's been losing seasons the last couple years. It's not a lot of fun to be a part of. So now he comes to Vegas, and he has been terrific. Six points in four games. Uh, You know, that offensive side of his game had kind of slipped the last few years. Uh, He's done it before. It's back. Smart, skates well, good decisions. Uh, And from what Pete DeBoer coming off his best game, he feels as a Golden Knight. So uh, huge there. Added depth. Nick Cousins looked good. It's been a small sample size. A guy who traveled all day, played, scored, which is pretty much the storyline for anybody joining the team. The big surprise was adding Robin Leonard, but I think that's another area that if you were to ask me they needed, they needed help at goaltending. You need to have that backup uh, for Marc-Andre Fleury and also more than a backup. Now you've got a guy that's going gonna to push each other, and that is good for the team. Someone was telling me the other day that someone that worked in the Boston organization that took her ask in the years where they didn't have a guy like Halak, he never relaxed. Even on the days where he was told, you're not playing, he was never able to relax because the, he, the guy they put in inevitably wasn't very good. And sometimes he thought, I might have to go in. And then also, it's not relaxing when you're trying to win a Stanley Cup to sit on the bench and watch the team lose. You, you don't like you don't you don't feel good about the look. Mark Andre Fleury did not look like a happy guy when he got pulled in Minnesota, and then when he played against uh, when they played Subban against St. Louis, and St. Louis jumped out to an early lead. That can't be 
refreshing for for a player, and that's what those those days are, are for. So I think Leonard will um, do a bunch of things for Flurry, push him to be better because Leonard's a number one as well. And when Leonard is in, Flurry will be off, like truly off. It's like, you know, you know, when you when you have a day off work, but you take your cell phone with you and you're always checking it. It's uh, your family's not happy with you, and you're not really relaxing. This is uh, he'll have the ability to, in goaltender parlance, turn his cell phone off on days off. It's interesting that Kelly McCrim, the way he phrased it, their comfort level wasn't where it needed to be. Yeah. Unless they were going to make a move. And I think they felt that the areas they've been able to strengthen the team, you mentioned, Shane, they add Alec Martinez. They add Nick Cousins to provide some, some quality depth up front. Heaven forbid if something ever happened to Marc-Andre Fleury, be it either now, down the stretch, or into a playoff series, they were not comfortable, unfortunately, with Malcolm Subban and what they had. Now, you know, we've talked a lot about the best teams have quality tandems. They have one of the most quality tandems, one of the most elite tandems in the league now. Well, you go around the league, you look at all yeah. the top teams. Uh, and, and, you know, we mentioned Boston, you can mention Washington. Uh, the Islanders are, are in that category. The Dallas Stars. Uh, that's, you need to have the ability to roll two goaltenders, and you got to have that comfort level because that resonates to the players. You yeah. want the players to feel comfortable because it's a game of mistakes, and if you always feel afraid to make one because, oh boy, if we make a mistake, it's going to be a goal, you don't want to have that feeling. And this isn't against Malcolm Subban. You know what? He's still a young guy. He may he may get to that where he, he, he elevates his game, but it's not there yet. It, he's not ready if it was asked upon him to be a number one guy. Yeah, and Pete DeBoer said that we have had good goaltending. Now we have great goaltending. And I keep coming back to something we've discussed multiple times the last couple of years Washington Capitals started that postseason run with Philip Grubauer in net they finished with Braden Holpe who at that point was better than Marc-Andre Fleury Mark had been great at the beginning of the playoffs but wasn't quite the same towards the end and you just think about a long grind especially for Marc-Andre who's 35 years old when it comes to having two guys that can play in the playoffs you know, and then it's the other part of it, Pete DeBoer in choosing which guy goes when. Think about very recent playoff history, Pete DeBoer sticking with Martin Jones against the Golden Knights last year. We all assumed he'd switch over to Aaron Dell at some point because Jones was struggling. He made, for whatever reason, whatever factors led to it, he decided to stick with Jones. It turned out to be the right thing. In other words, he's got a feel, it seems to me, for knowing when to use a certain goaltender, how that plays out with Vegas, who knows. But I like the, the thinking behind that decision-making, and it's not just going to be on back-to-backs when it's obvious. He told us that's easy. I know that that's going to be a split of the goalies. It's I'm interested to see how he handles the last stretch of the regular season and then, of course, into the playoffs. Interesting move by the Golden Knights yesterday, the announcement by Pete DeBoer that Dave Pryor, their goaltending coach here the last two and a half years, is going to has been reassigned, is how they phrased it, and Mike Rosati, who's been uh, based in Chicago, um, working with the Wolves, and has seen a lot of Robin Leonard. Obviously, when Leonard was with the Hawks, he was on the ice today at City Nationals, so now he's going to be hands-on, and Dave Pryor will be in Ontario providing his input, but now you've got two good goaltenders, and Pete DeBoer said, look, I'll probably go to rotation a lot more now than I would have if we had still the tandem that that we used to have, and you know, for Leonard, guys, I've got to believe, look, he signed three straight one-year deals. Buffalo, Islanders, Hawks. He's been open about, you know, his, his issues off the ice, gave an unbelievable speech here in Vegas last year when he got the Masterton Award. 
it's a great opportunity for him, right? That, that to prove he's still he's only 28. It seems like he should be older to me, but he's been around a long time. Have an opportunity to play well here down the stretch and earn himself, whether it's here or somewhere else, more than just a one-year deal as he moves And forward. he's been able to run in those situations, right? He, he He's used to being in that pressure situation where he's got to play for a contract. He's been doing it. Yeah. And he's performed at a high level the last two years. You know, the Islanders, they won the Jennings Award, uh, you know, him and Thomas Grice. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that I think is, his mind is right. He's in a real good place right now. Uh, he's an interesting guy to listen to. He talked today. He talked he got into talking about his style of play. He's he's really been watching the Golden Knights and how they defend, uh, you know, five on five, their penalty kill. He said there's some certain things. He, he's a goalie that needs to study how his team plays so he can react. Um, and, you know, I think you got two different style of goalies in, in uh, Flurry and Leonard. Leonard covers... You can just stand there, and he covers the majority of the net. 6'4", <laughs> so 240, they say. He's a big man. <laughs> He's a large human. Um, but effective. And that's the, I just think it's a great move. I like the Nick Cousins. Everything, that, you know, and then we, we shouldn't mention Zach Whitecloud has come up and played really well. It's not a trade, but this is a young player that's stepped in and been really good. He's he's played great. Uh, Nick Cousins, I think, is going to be a lot like Chandler Stevenson uh, that can come in and, and give you more offense than you expect with opportunity and versatile. Uh, we've seen Stevenson all over the lineup. I think with Cousins, you may see that, depending what happens with this team. And uh, just good options to have. I think this is, you know, this team is better now uh, with everything they've been able to acquire uh, going forward. If you looked at it from afar, for the most part all year long, they needed to add in all three of the areas they added to. And... For them to be able to pull, you know, we, we did our, our trade deadline show from our new beautiful studios, by the way, in downtown Summerlin. Gorgeous. That that, um, that everyone did a great job uh, to get that, that studio together, that show together. It's going to be the new home when we're on the road for AT&T Sportsnet. Everything's going to be based um, out of there. But Kelly McCrimmon told us in that show, it's rare you can add all three. You know, something you might be able to pick up a defenseman or a forward. And I said to Shane after the game last night, if... <laughs> If they can stay healthy, which is always a big if, they have a chance maybe to do something. Like the way this team is constituted now, I know a lot of it is predicated on matchups and you know who they end up playing if and when they clinch a playoff spot, but they've done a lot of good things. That game last night felt like a playoff game. Yeah, it felt like a playoff game at T-Mobile. We'll never get the answer to this, but I would love to have known like the way the team was playing in early January, if they were still playing at that level, well, I guess the answer is they wouldn't have added because they would have been probably out of a playoff spot or just barely in one. And you wouldn't have come to the conclusion that it's worthy of the assets. Robin Leonard might be a rental. Uh, who knows what uh, what decisions get made in the offseason, but they paid a rental price for him. They did not pay the price you would get for a guy uh, who had term on his on his contract. He's a starting goaltender, so it was still uh, a, a pretty good price, but not what you would pay for for a guy who had multiple years of term. And you know, I mean, there was salary kept by Chicago and by Toronto. It's the deal is a rental on the surface. Whether it turns into something else uh, remains to be seen. Martinez was two two second round picks. Those are very that's that's valuable. 
valuable currency in today's NHL, and uh, and Cousins was a fourth. So you kind of lump all those things together, and if the team wasn't playing the way it was, uh, you know, I'm not saying on a seven and zero run, but or six and zero at the time of the deadline, but you would have. I, I don't. I don't see them adding if they hadn't been playing the way they were in early January. Yeah, they, they forced their hand, right? They forced management's hand by yeah, the way they I, played. I, th- I think they they forced their hand, but they also crystallized what we what we were kind of like. How many times did a player tell you this year we're better than a record? And uh, you know, say it either in confusion or frustration or anger after a game. Like we shouldn't. Mark Stone said, you know, we're a better team than this. We should be beating these teams. Uh, during the, I think in Buffalo or in Montreal, he he made those comments in early January. So now you're, you know, now you're seeing, okay, it, it's been crystallized that they really are better than than the numbers they had put up for for quite a part of this season so they are worthy of of assets and and management has to dream too i guess right you know can we win and if they if they if that dream is you know plausible Go get him. Well, the, the thing that when you consider the window, and Bill Foley had his playoffs in three, cup in six, and he told us on the deadline show that that's been accelerated. He wouldn't go into exact numbers, but you also consider Marc Andre Fleury's age. And if there is a window for this Golden Knights team with the pieces Absolutely. they've added, it's within the Marc Andre Fleury era. There will eventually be another goaltender who becomes the number one for this franchise. But the group right now, with the players, the ages that they are, th- this is the window. I mean, they, yes, Gary, they made those moves at the trade deadline this year, but they also have made moves each of the last two years. First year was Tatar. That didn't quite work out. But Ryan Reeves, you didn't think he was going to score the conference-winning goal in Winnipeg, but he did, and he's only missed two games since. But then last year, of course, the big splash was Mark Stone, just in terms of trade deadline moves, considering what a team was doing. But you also consider what Kelly McCrimmon has said on repeat. It's not just at the trade deadline. There are things that we're doing in the offseason, earlier parts of the season, that are putting us in a position to make these trades at the deadline. So it's not just you wake up on January 15th and think, oh, it's deadline time, we should start thinking about this. And it goes right down to, in the Ryan Reeves trade at the deadline two years ago, one of the draft picks they also acquired, which is very much uh, you know, a, a minor note in that trade. Yeah. But the draft pick that they got in that trade, they turned into a prospect that they used in the Robin Leonard trade just a few days ago. I mean, that is playing chess when everybody else is playing checkers. And I think the other part of it is, too, fellas, that if you look at the West... It's pretty wide open, right? St. Louis won five in a row coming into, as we sit here today, they're atop the West with 84 points. Colorado's won four in a row. They have six regulars out of their lineup. Vegas has won seven in a row. It's the longest current winning streak in the NHL. Dallas at 80 points. But I don't. there's no team that's really, you look at the West and say, okay, well, you know. There's no one that's running away with it. No one's run away with the Pacific Division all year. The Golden Knights might have a, a chance now. They've got a little bit of an edge. But in a year where the West is, there's a lot of parity in it to make these moves the way. I mean, I don't know if there's any team in the West, and we kind of ran a graphic last night, Shane, of teams that are contenders. I don't know. If there's, I don't think there's any team in the West that strengthened their team at the deadline, but more than the Golden Knights did. No, I agree. And they did it at every position and that that's the unique thing about this for the Golden Knights going forward now all that said it doesn't matter unless they're playing the right way well they're playing the right way so that's my question to you where are they better now than they were 
five. Well, they're better defensively. Still. They're so much better in their own end. Uh, they made a couple little tweaks, which have allowed them to break out better. So they're quicker on pucks. They're quicker on breaking up, cutting plays off, and then their transition out of their own end. Breakouts is what we call it. Their breakouts, the support on the puck to come out of their end with speed is much better. And all that allows them to play in the fun zone. And that's at the other team in their, in their end. And they play with allows them to play with more speed. Uh, that's been really better. And and you know this was a staple of them before. And I think they're back to it. Their forwards, back checker, back track, whatever you want to call it in a neutral zone. The pressure they bring allows the D to stay up and then turn trans. They were such a good transition team, especially year one. You remember they they turn pucks around on teams and be gone. Well, they're back. They've got that back in their game. So to me, there's just a, a more commitment away from the puck, and I think Pete DeBoer told us that was one of the big improvements he's seen. Away from the puck, they're doing things much better, and that's allowing them to have the puck more. And especially in a game like last night, where you've got two of the best players in the world, in McDavid and Dreisaitl, I would imagine if if your forwards aren't going to be a part of it and not break their ass to no come chance. back hard, you get no chance. No, you here's can't, some, here's you can't some play no, them one-on-one. Some numbers to support what Shane just said. Uh, the scoring chances at five versus fives. This is since DeBoer took over. The scoring chances at five at, at five five per sixty is twenty nine point oh seven. The scoring chances against is twenty one point twenty two per sixty. That's a plus seven point eight five differential, which is number one in the National Hockey League. So they are they're generating, but they're suppressing at the same time at not an elite level, at the very best level. And there's, you know, I won't bore you with all the numbers, but uh, shots, attempts, scoring chances, it's all the same. They're, they're either number one in, in, in chances for or, and chances against or, or two or whatever, but the differentials down the board, they all add up with Vegas number one since Pete took over on January 16th. Where do you see, so if they, if they move forward here, Alex Tuck, we think, is fairly close to coming back. Again, if everyone's healthy, how does it all shake out for you guys? Like, that, you know, that third line has been a source of concern all year long. Put everyone healthy and in the lineup. What, what do your bottom six look like? as you move forward here in a perfect scenario. Well, let's put Stevenson at center on the third line. And it sounded, by the coach this morning, he liked what Cousins looked like at center on the fourth line. So uh, maybe we'll work from the bottom up. Maybe you go Carrier, Cousins, and Reeves for your fourth line. And then you go... Stevenson and Tuck. Stevenson and Tuck, and I think Wah or Nosek, obviously they're the other two guys, or Cousins could be in that mix. I think it's a mix of those three guys, Wah, Cousins, and Nosek for either the center on the fourth line position or a wing on the third line position. I think that's the way it goes. Pretty good move by Nick, uh, by Pete DeBoer last night. You know, sensing uh, what time did do we know what time Nick Cousins got up yesterday in, Mon- in Montreal? <laughs> Early. He arrived in Vegas at eleven. Right. So, uh, so Eastern time zone, and that's gaining three hours. Yeah. So yeah. whatever, let's say you get up early for the sake of argument. I think I think he took an 8, 8 a.m. direct yeah. out of Montreal. Is what is right. I, th- I think I heard him say that this morning. So you know, I mean, that's uh, in Montreal. You got to be at the you got to be there two yep. hours early. So you're at six. You got to get there at five to six. You're up at four. Four so, a, four a.m. And then playing a game at essentially ten thirty p.m. in his brain. And yeah. his clock, right? Yeah. 
And Pete DeBoer makes the decision after the first period, playing the wing on the fourth line, not really getting his feet moving. And, you know, one of the areas that we've heard that is his strong suit, DeBoer's strong suit, is to make tweaks on the fly, move him into the middle of the fourth line, free him up a little bit. And sure enough, again, you can't make this crap up. He scores in his first game with the Golden Knights. The sixth player to do it. The theme. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Not just six, and, yeah. but it's it's three and four games. I know it. <laughs> four games in a row a player made yep. his Golden Knights debut. Three of the four scored goals. Yeah. Poor so, Gage Quinney, who had to wait till his second game to get an assist. Well, <laughs> while we're recording this, since you mentioned Gage Quinney, he has just been recalled by the Vegas Golden Knights that, that just came across on our phones. So what does that mean? We'll... Uh, We'll find out tomorrow. You know, the team will, uh, uh, maybe it's uh, a hangnail. Maybe it's uh, Will Carrier's uh, talking about having uh, his girlfriend is ready to have their baby at any moment. Who knows what this recall is for? Oh, but the other part of it is, and you talk about making adjustments in a game. I'll also bring up, it's not just the adjustments. It's it's a step forward than that, I think. <laughs> Depending on a situation in a game, he's willing to adjust for that shift only, yeah. or for that face-off only. For example, on defense, we've seen it a handful of times, Nate Schmidt and Shea Theodore for an offensive zone face-off if the matchup is right. That we had not seen too often in the past. But if you can take advantage of those matchups, those face-offs, that time in the game, depending on the opponent, and I talked to Will Carrier about it uh, today. And Will, of course, signing a new four-year contract. Great news for Will. And, of course, Nick Holden a few days ago signing a two-year contract. And I, you don't want to understate the value of those guys. They're not the stars of the team, but they are part of the engine. But for Carrier saying he prefers to our line, I said, well, you're kind of in a couple of different spots with a couple of different line mates. What do you mean by our line and he thinks of it as him and Ryan Reeves plus whoever happens to be in the middle and of course that's been Nosek that's been Wah the other day it was Cousins and he said I played against Cousins in the American Hockey League I hated him yeah and that's <laughs> kind of a <laughs> you're you to ask anybody and those are the guys you love to have yeah. on your team and that's that's the other intangible that Cousins brings he, he can get other under the t- other team's skin he can agitate uh, he's always been top of the league I think for drawing penalties uh, so he brings those, and and there's there's some offense there. He makes plays. Well, he only scored a goal in his first game, and uh, you know Chandler Stevenson, the same thing. They saw the potential in this versatile, speedy forward that came over, and we know what he's been able to do. He, I think he's been terrific, especially at center now on that third line. Really like him there. Um, and but if needed, he can move around too. Like there's so many options right now for Pete DeBoer. You mentioned. Pete DeBoer using different people in different... Steve Spot is considered amongst NHL circles to be like a real expert in face-off situations, face-off plays, be it defensive or offensive. It's And it's you can see how him and DeBoer have worked together for such a long time. DeBoer is kind of macro in the moment, like, you know, overseeing the whole team. And they've got an offensive zone draw. And to have a guy on the bench that can walk down you and say, you know what, we should do this here, and we should use these two guys on the points great do it you know that that's a that's they work hand and glove together those two guys and uh have had a lot of success but the spot is uh, has spent a lot of time breaking in a lot of video to figure out what works and the other element of that is the continuation of pete DeBoer using the fourth line to start games sometimes they start the second or third period as well sometimes they don't but it's been very consistent to bring that line out first Hasn't worked in every game. Remember, they gave up a goal on their first shift a few games back. But there's a a certain 
element of energy. And again, it doesn't always happen, but you kind of get the juices flowing when that group goes on the ice first. Certainly when they're at home, they get the crowd going when that line starts. The Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast, sponsored by Finley Auto Group. Great people at Finley, Acura, Lincoln, Chevy, and Jaguar. One of the... Uh, Are we sure DeWalt isn't a, uh, isn't a sponsor this afternoon? I don't know. It, what, what's, what, could you hear that? There's a little construction project going by, yes, uh, going on. We'll do our best. Just to, outside to, these walls. To carry doing lots of stuff here. At the yes. Yeah, very exciting. Getting, expanding. Uh, yes, what's going exactly. on? Um, the ability of the Golden Knights, Shane, to at home. You know, they had been a very eh team all year long at home. Now they've won six in a row at home. They're 10 games over 500 at home. Of everything they've done here lately, the ability to make this really a true home ice advantage, which, I mean, there's first two years off the charts, right? Now they won six in a row here. And I I understand there's no easy games. They've got three more games on this part of the homestand against three teams that are going to miss the playoffs in Buffalo, Los Angeles, and New Jersey. If Pete DeBoer used the phrase, and he was talking about the Edmonton game, there's either a chance for, to create a little separation or remain kind of in the mud with everyone else in the division. I hear the one game at a time, but what an opportunity this is oh. for these six points available over the next three games. Critical. And, and you know, everybody looks at that and they automatically chalk up a win. Well, these teams, uh, for whatever reason, you see it more often than not, love to play the, the spoiler role, whatever you want to call it. These teams, there's guys that are fighting for jobs. For next year, these teams are all evaluating at the highest level. When you're out of a playoff position, you know there's going to be change. So there's motivation for the the players on those teams. They're going to come in and give them everything they can. The Buffalo Sabres played terrific against Colorado the other night. Probably deserved better. Came out on the losing end 3-2, but played a real good hockey game. Uh, so it's not going to be easy, but that said, yeah, this is a home ice advantage is imperative in playoffs to win your home games. That's why you grind all year long and try you don't try to just well everybody tries to make plus but you try to win your division why do you try to win your division it's for home ice advantage and you want to have a good home record you want to have that special feeling when you step out in your own building and, and they're starting they're, they've, they've been able to gain that back and I, I that's been very important for them to have success at home and, and these final three games of this homestand are big and the opportunity for them, Gary, after this homestand's done, they have four home games left. That's it. That's it. They've got a, a five-game trip coming up after that, uh, five in a row on the road, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Minnesota, Colorado, and then to end the regular season, no picnic, a four-gamer, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver. Let's hope it doesn't come down to that final trip. It, it might come down to it in terms of where teams finish. Not well, the so Vancouver much, game could be for the Pacific yeah, Division. Not so much whether you make it or not, but no. where you finish in the playoff race. But an opportunity for them, boy, to really uh, to put some distance between them and the teams chasing them. And it's unlike the last two years. The first season, the Knights ran away with the Pacific Division. Right. Down the stretch, I mean, they were locked in. Last year, they, they weren't in the division lead, but they seemed locked into third place in the division. There was not much likelihood they would fall out of third, and you know only because the Sharks kind of went into a nosedive was it as close as it was. So this could be the tightest in terms of movement. Again, who knows what it's like over the next dozen games here, but you're right, David. It's interesting. It, it hasn't quite been like that in either of the first two years. As we sit here now, Vegas in first at 78, Vancouver and Edmonton at 74. They all have games at hand. Vancouver's got 
three games in hand on Vegas. Got to win them. Got to win them. Um, and then Calgary at 72. Nashville at 70. Those are the first two wildcard teams. Winnipeg's at 70. And Arizona's at 70. So it could very likely, you know, I guess Minnesota hanging around at 67. But, you know, you've got some other teams that are obviously out of it. But and those teams right in the thick. Anybody can hit a skid. Tampa Bay Lightning had won 11 in a row. Guess what? They've lost three in a row. Yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins, they just lost to the Buffalo Sabres. They've lost four in a row. You're talking about a couple of the best teams in the National Hockey League. So even the best teams can hit a skid at a different time of the year when you might not expect it. Shane, how are these games different now? You mentioned, you know, once you get through the trade deadline yeah. from now until the end of the regular season, it's, I know it's a whole different level once the playoffs ramp up, but why is it different? How is it different now and from now until the early April? Well, you, you turn it usually, I, the all-star breaks kind of the first time where I think uh, the game elevates for everyone. You're getting in that part of the season. Then the, the trade deadline, you're, you're trying to play well, but the trade deadline, you, you know, there's certain guys. Things are going to happen. And once you're through that, that's your group. You know that's your team. And you're in the final push. This is, the you know, outside of play, this is an exciting time, especially the, you know, kind of the grind they're in in the specific division in the Western Conference. Uh, you know, nothing's solidified right now. You've, you play the game for a reason. Competitive guys, you play to win. Well, now wins mean more. Well, not that they mean don't mean much more. They feel bigger than they do maybe in November. Uh, and, and and players know there there's an end in sight to get to playoffs, which is what everybody plays for. So this is, but I think the, the fact that, you know, okay, we're locked in. This is our group. This is the group that, you know, we've been building all year. Well, now it's time to lock it all in and try and solidify your game, hit your peak, hit your prime as you get to playoffs. Think about how you felt going to the rink last night. Like last night, there's some more like, excitement. Yeah, last night felt like the, the, okay, this felt like a buzz. It didn't quite feel like a playoff game, but it felt pretty close to that. And, and the way the game unfolded, it, it had that energy in the first period, <clears throat> and, and it was it was a one nothing game for a while, and that was about as an exciting a one nothing regular season game as we've seen in a long time. How good was Vegas in the second period? Really good. Yeah, that, yeah. that's when they got you can that's see the, the guy got right? to their four check. Yeah, right. And and the when shots they get were to the fifteen check, to six. They, they, it, the it, Golden Knights are a big, heavy team when they get in on the forecheck and that relentless style, which we've used that term a lot to describe them in the past. When they're relentless, they hunt down pucks, create turnovers. They don't give teams time, and they wear them down. And how do you not let Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl score goals? Yeah. <laughs> you don't let them have the puck. Connor McDavid had one shot attempt in the entire second period. Max Pacioretty had seven. Dreisaitl had no shots in the second period, right? And, and and here's the funny part. And they didn't score in the second period. Right. Yeah. But the scoring chances, we had it as 11-1 to 1 yeah. for Vegas. The one chance was McDavid. But there was the play where Martinez cut him <clears> off. <throat> Everybody took the good angle to kind of, it was, you know. But that yeah. they, that was a scoring chance in theory. And that was it for Edmonton. How about Marc-Andre Fleury? Um, two shutouts now in his last five starts. Last night in the first period... So Shane does the fancy keys to the game, bro. Who's the sponsor on that? Uh, Desert State Four, whatever. Who, who's four dealers? Who, who sponsors that? Okay, the Desert Four dealers. So Shane has um, play five on play five. five on five. Seventy-five seconds into the game, the <laughs> Golden Knights take a penalty, and I'm thinking, here we go. Oh no! And well, even before that, Drysaddle had two chances in the opening first shift. Ten seconds. Flurry's unbelievable, and then they have to yeah. kill another one off about 11, 12 minutes in. And not long after that, Patch already scores. But you need that. That's awesome. That's he the goaltending awesome. you yep. need to to, yep. to get to playoffs, to win a division, and to make a 
run to the cup. You need goaltenders that are going to make the saves they're supposed to, and two or three that maybe they shouldn't. Yeah. So, I think that was one of the best games Flurry's played all year. He was locked. Third in. period, he just he, looked locked in. Went, and even you know, and the game was kind of decided probably at this point at three nothing. But still, yeah, I would say the first 10, chances. 12 minutes and the last ten. Yeah, he didn't look. He didn't chase the game at all. No, he, no. you know, when he he's aggressive, when he gets over aggressive, I think it's because of a lack of confidence. He is got his confidence back, and so he's sitting back and letting the game come to him. He's still making spectacular saves when needed to, but I think technically he's really. In the, he's in the he's in the right space where for him right now. So it might be hard for us to do this, but just to throw it out there, he's a future Hall of Famer. He's the face of this franchise. We know what he's all about. He sees this move for Robin Leonard, and he thinks, "What? What is that inside his brain? Is he? You know, he's been through this. It's different. I know with Matt Murray in Pittsburgh because he was kind of the new, fresh kid on the block." How does, can we speculate as to how this affects his thought process as they move forward? Here? I think it affects every player differently. Uh, I'm sure he's a guy who wants to net each and every game and realize that's not going to be the case. So, for a guy that's as nice and as humble as Marc Andre Fleury, he is ultra competitive. So, what does that force you to do? I'm going to make sure that this is my net. And I, I I think he has that in him. I think that he went into that game last night with a little extra gumption to make sure he showed, you know what, hey, I'm the guy. Yeah. Uh, Pete said... You want them both to feel like that. Well, yeah. And and, and Pete DeBoer said, listen, I, I talked to Marc-Andre Fleury and put him on notice that it's not going to be the same as if Malcolm Subban were still here. Uh, with Robin Leonard, there's going to be more of a balance. Didn't say it's going to be every other game. But you're also looking at a, a bona fide NHL goalie who's been in the NHL a lot more often than Malcolm Subban had and has been the guy. He's been established. So uh, I think that just for Pete, number one, to have that conversation with Mark gives him a lay of the land. You appreciate that communication. And Mark's response to that conversation is, okay, by the way, here's what I can do. Yeah. Don't forget about it. It's interesting too, Gary, that if they were going to get to where they want to go, they were going to have to address these three spots. Depth up front, they did it with Cousins. They needed to add a defenseman all year. We've kind of highlighted that. And you've talked about this on TV and radio. Their goaltending, yeah. save percentage, where it was in the league, not in a good spot. If they were going to elevate themselves, I think you kind of termed it at one point, maybe a mid-level contender to a upper-tier contender, that was going to have to be addressed as well. Yeah, like I did... Two weeks ago, I did not have Vegas with, just in the West, with Colorado, St. Louis, and Dallas. I had those three teams alone. I have Vegas with those teams right now. And uh, it won't surprise me at all if they're in the conference final, and it won't surprise me if they win the conference final, if they you know, stay healthy and if they get the goaltending that we now expect they're going to get. So yeah. I, I think McCrimmon did. Uh, this was more than a tweak. I wouldn't call this uh, a you know f a, a open heart surgery, but uh, maybe a facelift. Yeah. Well, and that's also not take for granted the reality of Robin Leonard changing teams in season. We talked about having signed one-year contracts each of the last three years. Buffalo, where he had been, but you know, moving on with the Islanders and then the Blackhawks. 
and thought, and he said it today, thought that he had a future with the Blackhawks, was disappointed that he had not been offered a contract extension. But now he's changed teams midseason. Now, he came up with the Ottawa Senators organization and did well in the American League there, won a Calder Cup in his first year, but now joining a new club in season. We talked about this a little bit earlier, how he has done well playing in front of different kinds of teams. He said, I recognize that, and you pointed it out earlier, Shane, that he embraces that. So he also hasn't played very much recently, and the few games that he has played this month have not gone well. And again, you, you'd say it's a different team. How it works here can be entirely different, but Robin's got to play to the caliber of goaltending that Kelly McCrimmon and the Golden Knights expect him to be. And he, that, that, and he needs games he need, to do and that. Exactly, and he, yes. needs, he needs games to do that. So they're down now, guys, to their final 17 games, which is is hard to believe. 16 <laughs> Flies games. by, does it? Is my math right? Six, yeah, 16 17. games. 17. 17 games. 17 games. Yeah, they'll play games. Come on, 60 games. There's that BU the education. Tolman High School. <laughs> Main Street's of Pawtucket. Um... You know, we asked Pete DeBoer the other day what area he thinks they've improved the most, and he said, and you mentioned earlier, Shane, their commitment to play team defense, whether it's you know, and, yeah. and away from and the and puck. And away from the puck, yeah. Um, but then he also said something, you know, what's the flip side of that? What, what do you want to see improve the most? And he said special teams, which are still kind of a work in progress. Well, and played a part against the Oilers. Right. right. You know, the penalty kill against the, the league's number one power play kept them off the board. Uh, and, so that, and for me, that, that, if you're trying to build, con- like, I, I believe confidence is a huge factor in all the game, but especially special teams. And the penalty kill for them to be able to shut them down, the Edmonton Oilers keep them off the boards, that's a boost. That's a boost for the, the penalty killers. And then the power play, I've liked the looks they've got this year. You know, there's a couple times it's maybe off, but. For the most part, they've been able to generate chances in a game with the man advantage. And, you know, they got a goal from Nick Cousins. So maybe that, you know, that second unit, if Alex Tuck comes back, you know, they're, they're starting out. The, the, first, the, the one unit with Theodore, Pacioretty, Stone, Marcia Stastny, that's locked in. They, they, that, but you want to have a follow-up. If they're having an off power play, well, get that other unit out there. And hopefully they can generate something. That was the factor last night is, uh, you know, Nick Cousins. And, and that power play to me is more of a simpler one. You got Carlson, Schmidt, and Martinez up top. Martinez does a good job of getting shots to the net off the one-timer. And then just traffic. So you have two different looks. That forces the other team's penalty kill. So that's an area that needs to continue to improve here down these final 17. And just to break down the numbers, and this is 16 games since Pete DeBoer took over. Naturally, he didn't have too much of an impact on, say, the first game or two, but just in the 16 games that Pete has been the head coach, Golden Knights' penalty kill has allowed 12 power play goals, while the Knights' power play has scored nine. So they still have a way to go to get back to even. And keep in mind, of the nine power play goals that they have scored, four of them were in one game. Right, the St. Louis game. So even though they've had some chances, that's all fine and good, but it's a matter of scoring those goals when you need them, and they did that with a relatively unlikely source, Nick Cousins and his sixth career power play goal. Last night, they shut down the league's number one power play in the Oilers. The Oilers are number two on the penalty kill, and they were able to break through for that big goal by Cousins that gave them a little bit of breathing room in the third period. There's some real interesting numbers to the power play and the penalty kill. The expected goals for on the power play is... It's eighth in the league since DeBoer took over, and the expected goals against on the penalty kill is fifth in the league. The issue is 
the save percentage on the on the penalty kill is 31st in the league. Right. 771. That's what's that's what's killing their penalty kill. And who's got to be your best uh, penalty killer? It's your goaltender. And when Marc Andre Fleury plays like he did last night, oh, I made a huge save on the one from the, sh- right. the slot on that first one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. On McDavid. On McDavid. Right. Yeah. Pa- yeah. Double double pad stack and then the puck off the crossbar. Well, they look to go as we sit here here uh like late afternoon on Thursday. They try to tie a team record tomorrow night with their eighth consecutive win. Which uh you know, they needed a run like this and they've got these games coming up against teams they could really, really gain a little bit of separation. Have we covered everything? Is there anything else we need to talk about, Lawman? <laughs> when they came back from the all star break, they had thirty games left. And I believed to win the, the to win the division, they were going to need twenty of thirty, and I believe they have now won nine. So they have to get uh, eleven. Uh, they have to win eleven more. Well, that math, Dave. It's pretty good for Carlton Comprehensive. They've they have seventeen games left. Yeah. So eleven. They've of, won uh, ten out of thirteen since since the All Star break. Oh, there you go. Ten, two, and one. We need ten more wins. Yeah. Ten. Well, so mine is the one. What is pi again? <laughs> Square root of eighty-one <laughs> is nine. <laughs> Yep. So you need 10 more, so even better. So there you go. They're 10 yeah. two even and one, one since less. the break. 11 3 and 2 since the coaching change. Yeah. Pretty good. 98 points. Yeah, pretty good to say the least. So, all right, fellas. So, uh, the Golden Knights have their team now. Trade deadline has come and gone, and they are the hottest team in the NHL as we speak with uh, three more big games coming up on this homestand against Buffalo, LA and New Jersey. That'll do it for this edition of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on the uh, on the iTunes, all that stuff. Just uh, make sure you leave us a nice review. Talk to you next time.